Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Amen. Morning all. It has been uh, amazing to be with you the last three days. It's been just encouraging to meet like-minded brothers and sisters, passionate for the gospel across the world, and just thanks for the invitation. I feel very humbled even just to share a platform with Pastor Tandon and Bob, and I kind of feel not worthy to stoop down and untie your laces. Just we pray for you brothers regularly and grateful for your fellowship in Christ and um, pray that you'll have a boldness to persevere in that gospel with us. Let me pray and then we're going to read from Proverbs chapter 9 this morning. Our Father in heaven, we pray once again that you would come by your spirit and speak through your word, that you would show us our sin and then very clearly point us to the Saviour and that you would excite our emotions and then send us out to proclaim Christ to a lost world. We think of that hymn that speaks of unnumbered souls dying and passing into the night. And so we pray that you would give us a concern beyond ourselves to preach Christ crucified and risen. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read Proverbs chapter 9. A Bible will be useful, just so you can make sure that this is not just me making things up, but this is the unchanged, perfect Word of God. So Proverbs chapter 9, Solomon writes, Wisdom has built her house. She's set up its seven pillars. She's prepared her meat and a mixed her wine. She's also set her table. She sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, Come, eat my foods and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you'll live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Don't rebuke mockers or they'll hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise, they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She's simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know the dead are there that her guests are in the realm of the deep. Imagine the situation where you have an opportunity to host your ultimate dinner party. 
I feel like we know each other well enough, so we'll maybe have a little bit of kind of congregational participation. So your ultimate dinner party, there's a table for eight, so you and seven other guests. They can be relatives or friends, they can be famous people, they can be cartoons, they can be dead, they can be alive, they can be Bible characters, they can be whoever, right? Maybe with the people around you or the person next to you, discuss just for like a minute or two, who would you invite? Go. Okay, let's, uh, let's see. Is anyone bold enough to shout out a potential dinner party guest? Who, who would you invite? You. Me. <laughs> All right, we started with a low bar. Let's see how... It's, um, it's, who Jim else? Elliot. Jim Elliott, the missionary. Jim Elliott, okay. Andy Murray. Andy Murray. He'd be depressing at a dinner party, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Uh, who else? Queen Jezebel. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Never had that one before. Usain Bolt. Okay. Hudson Taylor, Billy Graham. Any more? President Obama. Jesus. Okay. He'd be there anyway, right? But. <laughs> Uh, let me give you my seven, just so you can judge me. Uh, not as godly as some of you. John Bunyan, Eric Morecambe, James Corden, Robbie Savage, Stephen Fry, P.G. Woodhouse, Billy Connolly. I just think it would be an interesting mix. But I guess one of the reasons why some of you are hesitant to shout out names is because you get that who you invite reveals a lot about you. That's right, isn't it? Who you would invite reveals a lot about you. There was an advert a couple of years back now uh, from an alcoholic beverage company, so I won't mention the name. But in this Guinness advert, it was about... uh, There was these kind of guys playing wheelchair basketball. And at the end of the advert came the catchphrase, the choices you make reveal the true nature of your character. Now, that is very Proverbs. Because in Proverbs so far, the father has been trying to instill in his son the need to fear God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the father has repeatedly, because he knows that repetition is the key to education, he has repeatedly been saying, son, get wisdom and then be wise. 
Get wisdom in so that you can then make wise choices. And ultimately, the choices you make will reveal the true nature of your character, whether you are wise and so live, or whether you are foolish and so die. Now, as the introduction to the book of Proverbs comes to an end with chapter 9, the father has one last chance before his son goes out into the big bad world to instill in him this choice. And so he says, all right, I'm going to give you two women with two invitations to two dinner parties. And the question will be, whose invitation will you accept? So all we're going to do this morning is look at these two women, women wisdom, women folly, Woman Wisdom's invitation to her banquet, Woman Folly's invitation to her banquets, and see where that ends us up. You see where we're going? Okay, so firstly then, Wisdom's banquet in verses 1 to 6. Now let's just look at what she offers. Her venue is in verse 1, which is her house. It's a mansion, right? It's, it's decadent, it's massive, it's seven pillars. The venue is her house. The meal, verse 2, is nice and simple, meat and wine, which if you're a bloke, you're happy, right? There's no veg on the table, meat and wine. She set the table in verse 2, it's prepared and it's set. In verse 3, the invitations are sent out. And then again in verse 3, the location is interesting because it was on the highest point of the city. Everything smacks of the royal. The, it's actually almost divine. Because in Jerusalem, what was on the highest point of the city? The temple. And so when woman wisdom comes with a house on the highest point of the city, and she sends out an invitation, she is standing in the place of God. She is inviting you into the temple of God. In the Old Testament, it is God who is the great host. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 25. In Isaiah 25, here is God speaking. In verse 6, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of, notice, aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. God is the great host in the Old Testament. He is the one who is hosting a banquet of meat and wine, saying, Come. Because elsewhere in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, he is not only the great host, he is the great inviter. Isaiah 55, verse 1, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of Fair. Women wisdom, as the great host and the great inviter, stands in the place of God and says, come to my house. Now that's interesting because when you come to the Gospels and you read something like Luke chapter 15 and Jesus tells a parable inviting people to a banquet, it's not him just telling a nice story, it is a claim to divinity. Jesus says, I'm the God who's inviting you into my house. Question then, who's invited? Verse 4, let all who are what come in here. 
Is it, let all who are good, let all who are moral, let all who are righteous come in here? Is it, let all who are A-list, let all who are celebrity come in here? It's a great banquet with a great host. Are they good guests? Verse 4, let all who are simple come in here. Let all who are lacking in judgment come in here. Great banquet, great host, great guests. Not so much. The basis of an invitation seems not to be merit, but need. The simple and the lacking in judgment. Who are they in Proverbs? They've come up before. Flick back to Proverbs 7, verse 7. Again, the father speaks to his son. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 7. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth lacking sense, lacking judgment. It's the same person, right? This is a guy who is invited into God's house. And in Proverbs 7, the simple man lacking in judgment is the man seduced by the adulterous woman and ends up buying her services as a prostitute. And he's invited to God's banquet. The guy still doing up his jeans coming out of the brothel door is the man that God says, come here. The choices you make reveal the true nature of your character. Who of us invited this guy to our dinner party? Is he on your list? See, it reveals to us that God as the host is a gracious host. That God is inviting those who otherwise would have no potential of being part of God's family. The fool is not excluded from coming, but is implored to come. This guy, come here. The gracious host. And how does God ask him to come? Verse 5, come and eat my food and drink my wine. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. Leave and walk. That is the Bible language for repentance. To this man, walking in his foolishness, in his simpleness, in his sin, God says, you are welcome, and the way you come is by leaving your sin and walking towards God. Now, woman wisdom shouts this, and this is the same thing that Jesus shouts, right, when he comes. He cries aloud to the tax collectors and sinners, come to me. And the response he gets from the religious is hatred. Matthew chapter 9, the Pharisees say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus' response is so simple. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And so I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But they still don't get it, so that by Matthew 11, they're still maligning him and say, look at him, the friend of tax collectors and sinners. But in Matthew chapter 11, 
his response to them is fascinating because he actually quotes or alludes back to Proverbs and he says, wisdom is proved right by her actions. See, the invitation of woman wisdom to the sinful, simple people is not just a gracious thing, it is a right thing, according to Jesus. The very reason he came. So that when you go from Matthew 9 to Matthew 11 and end up in Matthew chapter 26, you see Jesus sitting at a banquet table surrounded by simple sinners and he hands them a glass and says, this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He dines with sinners because he is going to die for sinners. Now, we go from women's wisdom's banquet to the response that both her and Jesus get. When Jesus said this in Matthew's gospel particularly, he divided people. Those who knew themselves to be simple and sinful flocked to him. They loved him. They ate with him. They partied with him. They lived with him. But the religious people, they mocked him, they insulted him, they abused him, they hated him, and eventually they would nail him to a cross. In Proverbs 9, there are two very clear responses. There are the mockers in verse 7 and 8 who do exactly the same thing. This is the attitude of some of us who, when we see the invitation to the simple sinful, we say this in our hearts. How dare you put me in the same category as them? How dare you sit me at the banquet next to this guy from Proverbs chapter 7. And we stick our noses in the air and we look down our nose with our eyes. It's the attitude of arrogance that thinks more of ourselves than other people. And so we mock and we take offense and we remain in our pride. But there's another option in Proverbs uh, Proverbs 9. There are the wise. Those who, when rebuked, take it, love it, and add to their wisdom. It's the attitude of humility that has a deep awareness of our own sin, recognizing the level ground at the foot of the cross. We recognize that when Jesus says, let all who are simple come here, we recognize that I fall into that category. I am no better than the man from Proverbs chapter 7. Now, I wonder what this looks like in our churches. Imagine in Bangor, this is where we are, that the prostitutes or the addicts or the pedophiles or the junkies or the whoever here the invitation of Jesus. Let all who are simple come in here. And they turn up this Sunday at your church. Does the welcome they receive at your church reflect the invitation they receive from Jesus? Would you happily sit them next to you? Introduce them to your kids? 
bring them home to lunch after the service? Or would you keep them at arm's length, give them a wide berth, and in your heart, look down on them? I wonder if the culture at your church reflects the invitation of Jesus. Imagine again, the prostitutes, the addicts, the junkies, the whoever, come to your church on Sunday morning having heard that churches are meant to be a hospital for the sick. But when they walk through the door, do they find a people who are admitting that they are sick, or do they find a bunch of people who are trying to pretend that they are well? When asked the question, how are you doing, respond with, fine. See, God's invitation is to the needy, but do they meet a culture where it is unacceptable to admit need? They've heard that the invitation is for the sinful, but when they walk into our churches, do they find a bunch of people who are very slow to admit their sin, to confess their sin, to admit their need for an ongoing repentance from sin? I wonder if we are humble enough that if these people were to get saved in our congregations, that they could actually be the people who in Proverbs chapter 9 could actually rebuke us, teach us, lead us, pastor us. Or are we too proud? See, the mature believer will be easily edified. And the mature believer will be very quick to invite every sinner that comes through the door. Now, what will be the difference? What will be the difference between someone who is wise and someone who mocks? Again, Proverbs 9 is very clear. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Here's what will make the difference in us. Here's what will make the difference in our churches whether or not you fear God. It is easy comparing yourself with another human being on the horizontal level to look down your nose. But when you make a comparison not on the horizontal, but on the vertical, and you see that you are a sinful, sinful, sinful human being, and He is the holy, holy, holy God... The only response is to fall flat on your face. And when you are flat on your face before the holy God, there is no room to look down your nose at another human being. The thing that will preserve us being churches that reflect the invitation of Christ will be a fear of the Lord. And when you fear God, there is no place for self-righteousness. There is no place for looking down at others. Do you fear God? Now, Woman Wisdom has invited us to her banquet. She then warns us of the two responses there can be. Unfortunately, that is not the end of Proverbs 9. Because there is another woman at another house at another invitation. Look with me from verses 13 to 18 at Folly's Banquet... Look at verse 13. Another woman. Verse 14. Another house. And where is her house? At the 
highest point of the city. She is a rival at the same location. Wherever you proclaim the gospel, there will be an influence of the opposite. But she is not only a rival at the same location. Verse 16, who does she call out to? Let all who are simple come in here. All who are lacking in judgment. A rival at the same location and a rival to the same people. Sin is no less eager to destroy as God is to save. But look what she has to offer. Verse 17, what is stolen and what is done in secret. She thrives on offering us the short-lived adrenaline of a chase and the self-deceived liberty of a lie. I think it is fascinating here that she doesn't, she doesn't pretend like what she's offering isn't sinful. But instead, she appeals to our hearts that love sin. She appeals to us in that perverseness of our hearts that if God says you cannot have something, you immediately want it. What happens when you're walking somewhere and you see a sign that says, don't walk on the grass? What do you now want to do? Walk on the grass. If I was to say, do not dare look up there, what do you now all want to do? The classic is, it always happens, you go to a restaurant, the waiter brings your food, and they say, the plate's hot, don't touch it. What do you all do? You touch the plate. There is something perverse in us that when someone says don't, we think, I'll do. And Woman Folly appeals to the sinfulness of our hearts. There was a song written a couple of years ago in uh, the charts that said, I feel something so right about doing the wrong thing. And I feel something so wrong about doing the right thing. Everything that kills me makes me feel alive. That's the human heart. And that is what woman folly is appealing to. What is stolen and what is done in secret. So often we think through our feelings. But here we need God's wisdom to trump our feelings. And although she offers what is done in secret, we need to know that the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch over evil and good. And although she offers something that looks like it brings life, in verse 18, it is very clear that it may be delicious, but it will be deadly. So the question becomes, who are we listening to? Which invitation are we accepting? Which woman is alluring our heart? Which feast is exciting our appetites? Whose guest are we? I wonder if sometimes our pride, when we see sinners around us, forgets that that was once us, and is almost quite happy that they just listen and accept Woman Folly's invitation, because it keeps our churches safe, and it keeps the sinful at arm's length. And so actually, rather than proclaiming Woman Wisdom's invitation we keep it to ourselves. 
so that this can be a nice club for nice people and they can stay over there rather than us being a hospital for the sick. You see, the tragedy is for many in our country, for many in our continent, for many across the world, they have only ever heard one of these two invitations. They've only heard women folly's voice. They've only heard the lie that says, this will bring life, but it actually brings death. And they've never heard that there is actually another woman with another invitation to another banquet. That the God of the universe is saying even to the sinful humans in his creation that there is a welcome invitation into his house. Isn't it amazing when you read the Old Testament and you see the intricate matters of obedience the Israelites must follow in order to approach God in his temple? The structure of the temple itself with the holy place and then the most holy place that only one man once a year can enter. And yet that once a year event, the very purpose of it was to bring the man from Proverbs 7 into the very presence of God. And that is what Christ has done. That when he died upon the cross, the temple was torn in two to say, let all who are simple come in here if you repent and trust in Christ. This is the message we must proclaim from Bangor to Batan that sinners may take their seats at the banquet of the king. Amen? Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray for your forgiveness. We come confessing the sin of pride that is very quick to forget our own need of your grace. Father, give us a crystal clear sight of what we were outside of Jesus. Show us our depravity. Show us our rebellion. Show us the eternity that we deserved. And then thrill us once more with the Christ who would die for the forgiveness of our sins and to give us a seat at your table. We pray with David, restore to us the joy of your salvation and then grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. And so, Father, please send us out that our churches may be a welcome invitation to sinners and that we might tell them that as sinners we have found the only Savior. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit 
www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.